0: What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for You today. I had on the show Mr. Chris Bridgeford via FaceTime, and this interview was a long time coming. And I wanted to interview Chris for a long time, and we talked for 90 minutes, and we could easily talk for 180 minutes. It was a really good conversation from start to finish. Talked about the coronavirus, not only as Chris an elite elite level powerlifter he's also a gym owner and a coach so got to hear his viewpoints on the responsibilities gym owners gym goers should have during this time talk about training post-injury talk about the injury of itself the mindset that got him into how it affected his training and his you know kind of mental state uh keep we referenced it on the show, a pretty serious injury he suffered uh, not not too long ago. So starting training looks to be getting better for him. I know a lot of people who listen go through injuries, so that is going to be a really good conversation or thing to listen to for a lot of our listeners. Also, we talked heavily about the things that we would change in the sport and the biggest issues that we see in the sport. Chris dropped some great knowledge on Federation talk, too many Federations, and irresponsible supplementation. And it was a really good conversation. And again, we were about to go on like six or seven different topics, and we can only do like 90 minutes without just droning on and ranting about stuff. So, a terrific interview. One of the better ones we've done so far in 2020. But before we get into that interview, Want to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros, ladies and gentlemen? Go to LeftLarBros.com and get yourself some banners for your new home gym that you're definitely building right now. Because I think I actually got to check the mail today. I think I got three coming in, and I'm pretty excited to put them by my Italian flag and my makeshift cardboard-looking platform and my Gold's Gym squat rack that shouldn't be a squat rack and bench rack. So. Go to com. use promo code 2WL10 and get 10% off of those gym banners and any other merchandise you could find. Not only do I love gym banners, I also love my baseball tees and beanies, so get those as well. Also, go to Rivalist.net, get yourself some protein, pre workout, creatine, branching, and amino acids. Again, supplementation is probably going to be impo- more important than usual because you're going to be quarantining your house for two weeks. I'm trying to fear monger right now, but it's true. You need your protein, and right now, this is probably the most protein powder I've consumed because I don't want to go into grocery stores. So, use promo code ANGELO15 and get 15% off of your order because, again, I've been ordering a lot of protein powder recently because I need to hit my macros. Also, guys are going to wear some gear. Stoic gear is the preferred choice of two white lights. I love all their equipment, and so far, they've done good to me. As far as keeping me safe, keeping my limbs warm and comfortable with this singlet, the sleeves, the wrist wraps, get yourself some stoic stuff as well. The preferred equipment choice of me and two white lights. And without further ado, here it is two white. 23rd and i got with me via facetime one of the best powerlifters in the world in my opinion one of the great minds in powerlifting currently unfortunately i was hoping to do this as an in-person interview in chicago illinois at throwdown at the compound but via facetime at washington chris bridgeford how you doing man not too bad man
1: uh glad glad to finally be doing this uh, like you said, I know it's uh, been, been a long time coming, and I was hoping to do it in person, but here we are. So.
0: Yeah, and you know what, man? Whenever there's a meet in Chicago, a big meet in Chicago where I have a lot of friends competing in it, where I have a lot of people out of state who I know competing in it, I look forward to it. As a spectator, as a fan of the sports, I just I look forward to these things. And you said you were going to come down here. I'm like, great. We talked about doing a podcast before when we were getting drunk with Garrett Fear in Indiana. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that
1: was a fun weekend.
0: <laughs> that was a good weekend. I had a great time that weekend. Yeah. And I was like, all right, you know what? Maybe I can get Chris on, do an in-person interview, but obviously, if you guys have been living under a rock for the past like four weeks, uh, there's going to be no meets. And really, there's yeah. not going to be a whole lot of training either, because... Chances are your gym's closed down, my gym got closed down, either the government's doing it, gym owners are doing it. So we're stuck doing things via FaceTime, but this whole week has been weird. Or this past three weeks have been weird for like seventeen thousand different reasons. Yeah. People have been buying all the toilet paper in the stores. People have been hoard shopping, which makes no sense because if grocery stores are open, you could just do your regular grocery shopping. Week to week. You don't have to buy everything, but I'm going to digress into yeah. a completely different rant. But a big debate that was going on, a big topic, was gym goers and gym owners staying open and flooding to different gyms. And I and you made a lot of good points, so I'm just going to ask you, what's your view on gyms staying open during this time? And what's your view on people just either coming in as guests at different gyms?
1: Uh... Well, like obviously, like if your if your state or county or city or whatever has mandated that your gym close down, uh, you obviously like to, you obviously have to do that because uh, it's like the law. <laughs> so uh, I actually I almost got me an argument uh, with some with a a well known lifter over DMs about this because he's like, well, you can, you, there's always a choice. I was like, well, yeah. You can choose to break the law if you want to, I guess, but that's mm-hmm. that's your prerogative. Uh, yeah, like obviously, if you're required to close down, you should close down. They've obviously made that decision for a reason. Uh, like last I checked, none of us are medical professionals, so if we're being told that we should do something for our safety, we should probably do it. Uh, like, uh, like I said, in my my Instagram story. If your if your gym <laughs> is closed down and all the gyms in your area have closed down. It's for a reason. Uh so if you are driving one town over or one state over to train at a gym that is still open, you are going to cause the same thing to happen there because uh you're going like you're likely not the only person that is gonna be making that decision and you're gonna cause that gym to be very, very overcrowded and thus making the problem way worse. Mm -hmm. So uh, if your gym is closed, uh, like I said in my Instagram story, suck, suck it up, stay at home, buy some dumbness from the store. You know, just gonna have to make do for now. Uh, missing two or three weeks of training uh, isn't really gonna hurt you that much. Uh, I think for the, the state of Washington right now, actually, uh, it's a five thousand dollar minimum fine if you uh, if your gym is still like if you're caught still like letting people in your gym and it's also a misdemeanor charge so mm. uh, after like the mandate was released uh, there were a couple of gyms that were staying open and advertising that they were still open and they were raising their drop-in fees and they were basically advertising the gym to non-members uh, where you know, their gym was closed so they went to this gym that was still open and the owners were basically trying to get those people to join their gym in the process which is obviously just like really shady business practice mm-hmm. and insanely selfish. Uh because if you think about it, if uh you know the gym stays open during this whole you know during this whole thing, uh it's likely probably gonna make the you know, the closing, you know, the like the mandated closures last longer, mm-hmm. which is gonna prevent other people from opening their businesses sooner. Yeah. So, uh yeah, if, if your state or whatever has told you to close, then close.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I know, like, you know, like we talked about before this, it sucks. I mean, there's no way around it, but we just kind of have to deal with it.
0: Yeah, and this is where the frustration was being felt on my part, because I think you were making some really great points, but it was <sighs> continuous when, throughout the week, just different people trying to find different types of training. And, dude, I know that you love training. I love training. I, it, it it's going to suck for all of us if we're going to be out of the gym for three weeks. Even if we have a home gym, being out of the gym for three weeks sucks because we obviously love to do what we do. But when you're trying to take, when you're trying to be responsible, when you're trying to make sure you're looking out for the public good, it's incredibly selfish because the funny thing is, There's no competitions coming up. Right. It's okay if you miss a gym session because really you're not going to be competing. You're not going to be putting these numbers anywhere, or at least these numbers anywhere where it matters. It's not going to be on open powerlifting. It's not going to be in your federation. It's not going to be anywhere where it really matters. Exactly. And it sucks doubly for you know people at Sheffield who got their meet canceled, which that was going to be a massive meet. Everyone was looking forward to that you know um collegiate nationals too really looking forward to that college students really work their asses off trying to compete in that and it sucked to see all of it just completely wiped out but if those competitions are canceled then you really don't need to be in the gym busting your ass it just it it's unnecessary at that point so yeah i I completely agree and uh i know it sucks to like have money set
1: aside for you know a a trip and stuff like that luckily uh with the current situation i think a lot of uh i'm not entirely sure on airlines uh i can't really speak on that but like i know airbnb is offering complete refunds right now Mm -hmm. uh so you know there could at least be some you know good coming back from it uh I don't know what people are doing with, uh, like entry fees for meats. Like if they're refunding them or if they're like allowing them to carry over, like into a future competition. Uh, I hope that that's the case, but like I said, I'm not entirely sure on that. I know I had a client here that got completely refunded for a competition of his. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I would imagine that other meat directors are doing something like that, but, uh, I don't know the way I see it. Um, is if, if a world a world class competitor can handle this situation uh, like calmly, then anybody else can. Uh, I believe like uh, Ransom Lee, for example, he's a lifter of mine. Uh, he was really really excited about this. Me uh, had big things planned for the uh, for the U.S. Open, and we got the news, and he's like, "Well, like, that just gives me more time to train for October because we're planning on competing at Warriors in Australia." And, uh, that, you know, he was like, well, it sucks, but I got, I got more off-season work to do now then. So, and then, uh, I believe, uh, I think, I think, her, uh, Hunter Henderson, I think that's how you say her last name. She trains out of, uh, JP Price's gym. Uh, she, she said something really similar. She was training for the U.S. Open as well. Uh, just squatted 600 in reps like, last week in the gym. She's a 165 competitor. Uh, she said the same thing. She's like, okay, well, I just get a longer off season. I'll, you know, train, uh, just keep training until November, which is when the, the Open is going to be postponed to. So, uh, I think if competitors at like that level can handle it with, you know, that kind of, you know, with that mindset, I, I don't think that anybody else really has like valid reasons to, you know, complain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's just my my thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, um, completely agree with you. And so what would your advice be for, like, an alternative for lifters? Say they can't get into the gym, what would be the best next step that they take? Uh,
1: I mean, I think some people are going a little crazy with buying gym equipment for to have at home.
0: I definitely uh, have done that.
1: I, I mean, it's nice to have that at home. Like, it, it never hurts to have, like, the basic stuff at home, you know. I mean, we've all had. I mean, I, I basically live at my gym, uh, so it's a little different for me. But, uh, you know, if you, you know, have a long day at work or something, you have an emergency come up and you're not able to make it to the gym, you at least can get the work in at home and you don't have to spend that, you know, 30 or 45 minutes driving to and from the gym at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Uh, but I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be ju- buying a lot of this gym equipment and they're going to use it for two or three weeks and then it's never going to get touched again. <laughs> uh but, you know, if you're, if you're willing to drop the money on some, some basic stuff for your garage, then by all means do it. Uh, if you are already, like, worrying about, like, living within your means uh, during this whole, whole, like, stressful situation, I would definitely not recommend spending a bunch of the extra money that you have. On gym equipment, I would definitely put that money towards things that are more important, like paying your rent and your other bills. Because mm-hmm. uh, I have a I have a feeling quite a few people are, are doing that and not and not budgeting their money well. Uh, but uh, outside of that, you know, like I, you know, like if you already have you know basic stuff at home and you're not gonna, you don't have the money to maybe buy you know a full a full set of plates or whatever. You know, at least just get some basic stuff, some bands, some dumbbells, and uh, you know, you can make do for a couple weeks. Uh, you know, I said this before we got on the podcast, a lot of people are probably uh, overtraining anyway,
2: yeah. as
1: is. I feel like I feel like a, a good chunk of powerlifters uh, train a little too aggress- aggressively far out from meets, so I feel like a lot of people will f- feel better and will actually feel recovered when they're able to get back into the gym uh, by being forced to stay at home and do bodyweight exercises and mobility work, so Uh, hopefully some people can take this as like a learning experience and get something positive out out of it to stay on top of that basic stuff
0: more often. Oh yeah, I agree. And I, there can be some good coming out of this, you know, like self quarantine or self shelter thing, whatever term is being used for uh, this whole staying inside your house or within your means kind of thing. But I think there is going to be some good to come out of it. I think lifters can take a step back those who are over-trained, and God knows, there's a lot of them in powerlifting. Good, good powerlifters and bad powerlifters. Absolutely. A lot, a lot of them could, you know, a lot of them overtrain. A lot of them kill themselves when there's no need to kill themselves. So maybe, maybe taking two or three weeks off is going to be best for them to just work on some simple bodyweight stuff. But you know, you mentioned the home gym situation. I actually, and you kind of helped me too uh, find me some plates in the meantime because. Yeah, nice.
1: Uh, that's funny, I think you you responded to like the same ad that I sent you, I think, and you were like, I already did
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I already so, met uh, the guy, shook his hand, and bought it from him. Yeah, yeah cause, that was funny. Yeah, because I was looking, and then a few of my friends were like, uh, there's, yeah, weights in New Lenox, I'm like, oh, New Lenox, perfect, 25 minutes away from my house, drove over there, mm-hmm. spent some money, Uh, came back, and then right when I came back and said, it, you sent me the message, I'm like, that's <laughs> hilarious, because I was literally just there. I took a little selfie by the plates for you. Yeah but uh (laughs) but and you know i have my stuff you know trainings we're just starting a new block so it's it's whatever you know it it works for now it's good and in all honesty i could see how attractive a home gym is now so i might you know get more equipment i have some space and also i'm fortunate too i'm pretty lucky with what i had you know like the annoying thing that's happening right now is people who are self-quarantined and then they're becoming this – they have, like, this pompous behavior and attitude because they have a home gym. Like, oh uh, yeah. if you guys yeah. want it bad enough, you would get the equipment yourself. Like, do you guys realize that people live in apartments? You guys realize yeah. that nobody wants this – not a whole lot of people want to spend $2,000 for a combo rack? Yeah. I
2: and mean, kilo sure. plates?
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, all the plates yeah. that I bought? The, the plates that I bought, which I bought, I think, 350 pounds worth. That was about yeah. $340. That's like yeah. two kilo plates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, I think. If you're your lucky, yeah. Yeah, I think that's two kilo plates. So, you know, chill people who have home gyms. Stop being so pompous. I think it would be cool to open, have a home gym, just something in my house. Uh, and yeah. luckily, I have the space for it, but not everyone's as fortunate. And I got super lucky, too, because even the Texas Power Bar I have. I didn't spend money on that. I won it at an APF meet, so right. I yeah, all that stuff's expensive uh, as hell.
1: Yeah, that stuff that stuff adds up really quick, and I don't think people realize that. Uh, like in the grand scheme of things, like you know, yeah, like maybe two thousand dollars isn't that much money. Uh, you could save two thousand mm-hmm. dollars pretty quick if you really try, but like you know, just to build a deadlift platform, you're looking at you know one hundred fifty two hundred dollars to get you know the Two or three sheets of plywood. The horse stall mats. Uh, horse stall mats are retardedly expensive. Uh, I can you know tell you like for like I've spent way too many too way too much money on horse stall mats. Uh, it's frustrating, but uh, like, yeah, like I said, that stuff adds quick, adds up quick. You need a bar, you need the rack, deadlift platform plates, all that stuff. You want to do accessories, so like you need to get bands or something like that, some dumbbells, like that's. Mm-hmm. That's all gonna rack up pretty quick. It's not as cheap as people think. So, yeah,
0: people, uh, if, people but, are spending. You know,
1: if you get lucky and find stuff on Craigslist, then that's different.
0: Yeah, and that's really you're not gonna find a whole lot of stuff on Craigslist and Facebook Messenger, at least like with quality equipment. Because like people are sending me links to just stuff. I'm like, guys, I I don't have that money. Yeah, like, are cheap. you guys crazy yeah. right now? Like, dude, nine hundred dollars for? Like, no, we're not spending nine hundred dollars right now, man. I was like, I got yeah. enough what I need. Didn't even buy. I ordered some horse stall mats uh, on Amazon for, like, 40 bucks, but right now I'm deadlifting on, like, plywood taped together with duct tape. So, again, really, it was all in my wine cellar, so the wood that I used to press... People people legitimately think I'm deadlifting on cardboard right now. Uh, I would just like to say, one, you guys are... So clueless sometimes, like, I'm not deadlifting. Do you think, like, you're breaking your tile. I'm like, guys, it's not cardboard. It was a joke that it was cardboard. I'm not deadlifting (laughs) on cardboard. I wouldn't, Uh, I would slip. I would slip and fall. Even on my squats, I would die. Like, it's Uh, not going to stay on tile. But, yeah, the thing that I have to press meat in the wine cellar is being used as my deadlift platform right now. So, as soon as it's done, it's going to be pressing meat soon. So... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, well, I mean, if it works, it works. Yeah, and again, for the time being, it'll work. Maybe some horse stall mats like, ab- above it would work. But, um, yeah, like people, the only reason why I did it is because I had a few of the equipment already. Uh, and the rack, the rack is not supposed to be a combo rack. You're not supposed to squat on that. I'm squatting on it. I just yeah. kind of manipulated the equipment so I can squat on it. But it was a bench that I got when I was 14 years old. Right. I got it for my birthday when I was fourteen years old. I asked for it because I played high school football. That's what I'm using right now. So it's not like I went out and bought this stuff. And overall, I spent three hundred and fifty dollars. That's yeah. it.
1: I mean, that's yeah, that's about as good as it gets right there. So yeah, uh, yeah. I had a I I let a couple clients uh, borrow some plates out of the gym here. Uh, just you know, two like two pairs each, just so they could because they had a bar at home. Uh, just so they could do the, the basic stuff at home and you know not have to worry too much about you know not doing anything while they're at home but uh, and i know i know some other people have been fortunate enough to you know be in the same scenario they were able to borrow some equipment from a friend or their you know gym owner or whatever mm-hmm. that might be so um uh, but yeah uh it's really it's not going to be the end of the world if people just take it easy for a few weeks this is an op- like you said it's an opportunity Focus on other things mm-hmm. that you might have been neglecting in your life, you know, uh, read a book, you know, educate yourself more on training or, you know, rehab work, anything really it could be lifting or non-lifting related uh, to see it as an opportunity to take a break from lifting because I know plenty of people who their own, the only outlet they have is lifting.
2: Yeah.
1: And you can tell who those people are because of how they're reacting to the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Now, like I, you know, it's okay. Like, I'm not judging anyone for not having any any other hobbies outside of lifting. Uh, But it's not bad to have multiple things that, you know, give you some sort of fulfillment. Because if you have that one thing taken away from you, you're going to shut down, you're going to freak out, and it's going to make everything else going in your life that much worse. So it doesn't hurt to have multiple avenues of things that, like, can take up your free time.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, You're in a unique position, and actually a lot of people – so it's not that unique because I think a lot of people are in the same position you are in right now because you're a gym owner and a coach. So when people are complaining about not being able to train or just bummed out, I I actually want to use the word complaining for a lot of people because, like you said, it's an outlet for a lot of people, and I could, one, understand the passion for wanting to be in the gym. But if you're upset about that, also think – into take into account just the other people say your coach say the gym owners because right now that's a massive financial burden for them as well and that is how they're getting their income so a lot of people are losing their income some people the gym is their income and i would take a step back and just look at that portion of it as well because i feel like we're getting a little bit not not a ton. Uh, I'm not gonna say like all these powerlifters are doing this, but there are some who I think are being a tad selfish right now. And really, if you take into account what your coach is losing, what your gym owner is losing, and i am been advising all people who at least follow me to try to support them any way you can. You now keep those yeah. gym memberships going for as long as you can. If it's a massive financial burden, then no one's gonna judge you if you give up on it. But if you could still support your gym and coach. Um, I would advise you to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I mean, obviously, I don't want anybody to, uh, you know, cause themselves any financial distress by, you know, uh, by doing that. Uh, but also, like, if you're barely able to afford coaching anyway, uh, you probably shouldn't be paying for coaching. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, say that I say that to everybody. Uh, you know, after I tell them my pricing, and some people, you know, when they when they hear that, they're like, uh, oh, that's you know, like, I think I can make that work. And I'm like, well, if that's your answer, you probably should just, just should not do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's you know, it's not a necessity. Uh, there are cheaper options out there. Uh, so yeah, maybe this isn't a great idea for you anyway if you don't have your finances lined up. So, uh, I've been really, really lucky, I've only had. One person canceled their membership at their gym. I've had a couple clients that have had to talk to me about putting things on pause, uh, you know, because they have kids, they have you know, you know, family to support. I don't, I get that. Mm Um, I, you know, I'm a big believer in like planning ahead, and uh, you know, I understand like, especially for people like in the service industry, this is going to cause a lot of issues, and some people probably aren't going to recover from this, but like this is why you know they, they you know when we're told I don't uh, I remember talking about this like in classes in high school like this is why we're told to save money like we're supposed to like my parents always told me like you save 10% of every paycheck that you get
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and this is why we're told to do that because I know we don't plan for pandemics to, pandemics to happen but when something crazy comes up that you don't plan for like you need to be prepared for it financially so, I know not everybody's able to do that but you know things are good for right now Uh, i've been pretty fortunate with my clients and all the members of my gym uh some people have had to cancel i get that though like i don't take it personal or anything like that and like i said the last thing i want is for people to cause themselves financial distress uh because of me so uh yeah
0: yeah and all great advice hopefully it stays fortunate for you know most people because right now it seems like at least people i know and uh you know friends family seems like everything's okay but this is going to be a longer process so hopefully it stays okay but that was our coronavirus talk i want to talk about something that's <laughs> yeah i remember
1: I've, I've talked about uh i've talked about coronavirus play uh so yeah. um, I, I'm good to talk about something
0: else. Yeah, I said last podcast, I wasn't gonna like try to talk about coronavirus too much, but <clears throat> it it was topical, at least in the world for powerlifting, just you know. But if this or so if the coronavirus didn't happen, if none of this was going on, if you were in Chicago coaching your uh there was four people, three of three of whom I'm very close friends with. Um, right. I was gonna discuss to you How's your training currently going? Because I'm sure 99% of people who listen to this show are aware of how good of a powerlifter you are. Uh, one of the best powerlifters in the world. One of the craziest deadlifts I've ever seen. One of the most technically proficient deadlifts I've ever seen. And unfortunately got hurt in a... I almost yelled at you for posting that video. And that would be a really <laughs> dick move on my part for yelling at you because you had to go through it. But... It was it was a pretty intense, gnarly injury that you suffered. Um, yeah, so it, was a, it was a pretty it was a pretty loud snap. It was a loud snap, man. <laughs> I could still yeah. I hear that snap. I hear that in the the, the video, like like yeah. oh my uh, my business partner, training
1: partner. Uh, he, like, I'll play the video once in a while, and he like he hates <laughs> it. Like he leaves the room whenever I play it. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it was pretty stupid on my part, uh, but you know, after it happened. I just, I was, you know, I talked to Jaffe about it, my coach, Trevor Jaffe, I talked to Garrett, I I talked to a lot of people about it, and I just said, you know, like, it was bound to happen at some point, it was just, you know, it was my turn, you know, it's, when you're, you know, playing with fire like that, it's not really, you can't really avoid it, and you can't really plan for it, it's just, it's gonna happen at some point.
0: Yeah, and I think Uh, if if you're a power lifter and you're watching that video, um, which I, if, if, listeners want to uh, watch it it's on your page so you could uh go through and look for it if you guys would like but i think the reason why a lot of powerlifters could see that video and just kind of get that feeling of like having to leave the room or something or getting you know uh just that cringe feeling is because the position i saw you in is like oh shit i'm in that position a lot like like yeah. it's like you're set like I could see like oh wait I could kind of feel that tightness in my quads too sometimes right when you're yeah. setting in I think like a lot of like oh this could happen at any second to any one of us yeah. so as I, I think would,
1: uh, I would say the biggest thing is don't train deficit sumos uh, Well, <laughs> that's definitely not going to be on the table for me again ever mm-hmm. uh, I, I was a big fan of putting those in the mix. Uh, I first like, got introduced to the, I'm not, no, this is in no way bl- blaming, uh, Kabuki strength coaching, uh, because the, that is how I was introduced to him. The first time I ever did sumo I was off a of deficit when I was, when I started working with Kabuki strength and, uh, I loved him. Like my dead, my deadlift blew up, uh, after running, uh, a couple training blocks with them. Uh, I think it was a combination of things when that happened, uh, just kind of like repetitive like stress to that leg and obviously you know the, sh- the the torque and the strain I put on my knee and my quad by being in that position so uh yeah if you're if you're somebody that uh you know trains sumos off a of deficit I definitely wouldn't do that
0: <laughs> yeah and and all but recently I've seen you're in the gym again you're yeah. like training is going a little bit better now so yeah just kind of take me through that like altering training after an injury uh and how's training been going for you recently because it's always good to see you know weights starting to come up especially on deadlift and like things are hopefully getting in the right place now
1: uh yeah uh recently training has been going has been going really really well uh just the that was what two weeks ago now the week of the arnold uh i had a pretty good week of training i hit uh I hit 804 and then 849 at the the pinnacle lifting party on Sunday.
0: Unfortunately, uh, I couldn't see you do that. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was really uh, weird because uh, uh, I was able to stand up with it, but then at the top, my my knee definitely still got really really shaky. So I could tell that it was a little I was just a little shocked at like holding that much weight again because mm-hmm. uh, the, the heaviest I had went before that was 705. Okay. So that was that was a lot heavier than anything I had done uh, up to that point. Uh, but I, you know, I that was kind of like my goal for that day. I was in I was in no shape to be lifting that day. Uh, I, had a, I had a very similar night uh,
0: Saturday night to how to how we had in Chicago, uh, in Indianapolis uh, <laughs> a few months uh, back in August. Wait, were you uh, in Columbus? Because I didn't get the invite.
1: Oh yeah, I was I was, I was in Columbus uh, for the Arnold. Still, I had a couple guys doing XPC.
0: Okay. Uh, man, you should have called yeah, me, man. That was right after my competition.
1: Uh, damn. Yeah, I should have. That's my bad. <laughs>
0: it's all good.
1: Uh, no, uh, so yeah, I did that. Uh, definitely was in no in no condition to be doing it. Uh, I hit a 500 pound squat again for the first time in sleeves. That was very very scary. Uh, and then I, I did, I benched, uh, I did four oh five for five. The first, the first night I got in, we went to elite FTS and trained, which was really cool. Uh, but yeah, a few weeks, a few weeks up to that training was starting to get a lot more consistent. Uh, for a while, it kind of just seemed like things were at a standstill, which was really challenging for me mentally because I was doing the, I was doing the rehab work every day. I was doing, I was doing the stuff I was supposed to be doing, uh, You know, uh, because I'm literally, I'm at the gym all day, every day, so it's really not that difficult for me to take five to ten minutes to, you know, to do that stuff. So, uh, things just kind of seemed to be standing still. I had a a really, really bad uh, hip shift uh, when I was able to start squatting, like, when I was able to do a full squat, like, I got the range of motion back, and I was able to put a bar on my back, uh, no matter, like, even with, like, the lightest weight, like, 25s on the bar, you know, nothing crazy. As soon as I would start to descend, I would shift away from my from my left leg, and uh, it was really, really frustrating. Uh, so I, you know, this was back in December, uh, you know, I did a few consecutive weeks of barbell squatting, and it kind of just got worse and worse every time I got back under the bar no matter what I did, so I just finally was like, all right, screw this, like, Not going to squat with the bar for a while. I'm just going to go back to doing what I was doing before, like the unilateral work, you know, other body weight stuff, stuff I've been doing. And we're going to try to, we're going to try to, you know, squat with the barbell again in like, you know, eight weeks or something like that. And, uh, you know, the week before the Arnold was when I decided to try to squat with the barbell again, and it went a lot better that time. Uh, But yeah, uh, directly like after the surgery, uh, it was definitely a different change of pace for me. Uh, I was able to, you know, focus on a lot of other things outside of training. Uh, you know, I was able to put a lot more attention to my clients uh, in the gym and uh, remote. Uh, obviously, was able to put more time towards the, you know, the gym itself, and uh, <clears throat> I definitely got a little lazy with things at times, but uh, overall, it was definitely like an eye-opening experience for me uh, to kind of not really be afraid to like slow things down Mm -hmm. uh which is something you know i try to preach a lot to clients of mine uh a lot of us get stuck in the habit of thinking of like weeks and months and you know when you know we think about like long-term success like that can be several months or a year or even longer and there's there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. so that was that was kind of the biggest takeaway that i had from it and uh Yeah, just uh, focusing on like the little things uh, that we you know overlook. You know, something as simple as like getting on the bike for five to ten minutes, or you know, I would get up and you know go for a ten minute walk like every hour. You know, something like that. Mm -hmm. Just really, really basic stuff that like you know, if you do it, you don't really see a positive effect from it. But if you do it like over and over and over again over the course of several weeks, you will. Or if you stop doing it. You'll notice that you stop doing it right away. Yeah. So those those were kind of my biggest takeaways from it.
0: Yeah, and there's something I'm always curious about with injury because I think it's fair to say that suffering an injury, a severe injury, because a lot of people do complain about injuries and in they're minor. I would call them more of hurts than injuries, where something is bothering yeah. them and they like to call it an injury when it's not really an injury. But I think the reason why. They get so anxious is because it is kind of a powerlifter's worst nightmare, is to get hurt yeah. and stay off the platform, and your state and a and there's a few other powerlifters who are in the position to do some really special things. So, how what was the the mental impact that that took? Because, I said at the beginning of the show, I one of the best powerlifters in the world. On the precipice of a you know near thousand pound deadlift, which is massive. And then all of a sudden it stops. How does that kind of hit you mentally? Uh, I
1: mean it definitely was. Uh, it, it took it took a lot out of me at first. Uh, I definitely, I definitely felt sorry for myself for a little bit. And uh, I guess when like the questions started rolling in, because I don't really expect people to, you know, to pay attention or, you know, to, to message me like their opinions on things or anything like that. Like, you know, I, I was lifting before Instagram was a thing and, uh, you know, I'll continue to lift even, you know, if Instagram, you know, wasn't around. Uh, but I, I had a lot of people messaging me, sa- asking me if I was going to compete ever again. And that, that, I can't really say that that pissed me off. That's not the right way to word it, but I guess I just was very, very surprised because the thought of being done never really crossed my mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so that, that was kind of the biggest thing. And I guess it kind of did make me angry that people would think that I would be, that I would be done competing. So, you know, I've been, I've been competitive in some nature, you know, my entire life. Essentially I wrestled for 12 years before I got into powerlifting. So, uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be one thing or the other. If it's not powerlifting, it's gonna be something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that uh, that really took me took me by surprise. And yeah, but I people
0: got... say dumb shit on Instagram way too often. Like yeah. people don't uh... understand the because it happens to me like daily where they ask me something. I'm like, you guys realize yeah. that you're being insulting by asking me this? But yeah. um... like, because one guy told me in direct uh, in my DMs that he's like dude, I think you have the potential to be top five in 83 one day. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Thank you for thinking I have the potential for that. Yeah. And also, who the hell are you? It's a very, like, backhanded problem. <laughs> and then on top of he's like, man, I think you could, it's like one day I, th- I think you could, Uh, it's like I think you'll be on the same level as Jamar and Russ and Noriega. And I'm like, I just out-total Jamar. Like what? I, yeah. I'm like, I, why I mean, one day will be on their level? I'm like, I feel like, like I'm, I'm, not, right I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at their level yet, as far as like beating them consistently in competition. But like yeah, that is close. People don't understand. Like, hey man, you, you're gonna ever compete again? Like they say that so like yeah. just out of nowhere. It's uh, like, hey dude, can you just yeah. not ask that question right now? Because that's not the best yeah. question to ask. Another good yeah. question to ask you is, how are you doing, Chris? Is everything good uh, I'm getting, I'm getting yeah straight, it's like yeah, that's that would be a good that's great. an appropriate question yeah yeah. that's it's like hey are you ever gonna compete is your life yeah, is your generally... <laughs> is your competition days over
1: yeah generally start a conversation with like hi how are you <laughs> like that's i guess i don't know
0: ease, ease into those questions
1: yeah so uh, yeah i guess i i kind of let the negative comments get to me a little too much a little bit uh there was you know those questions and then a lot of people kind of a lot of people felt the need to, to give me their opinion on it without asking. I definitely asked a lot of people for their opinion. Uh, obviously like, you know, my coach uh, talked with a couple different physical therapists. Uh, and, but I, I got a lot of unsolicited opinions about it. Like, Hey, maybe if you were smarter with like your supplementation, that wouldn't have happened. It's like, okay, well, you don't really know anything about <laughs> what I run when I run it. Uh, you know, and I, I, I ended up explaining this multiple times, and I kind of came to this conclusion with with uh, Trevor was if uh, if if people look at my squat videos from the past, like year, I've had a very weird bar tilt when I low bar squat because of an uh, an issue that I've had with my left shoulder. It's gotten better, but you no, know, like you notice like the bar is tilting to my left side almost every time I squat, mm-hmm. and you know that. That was kind of, like, our conclusion was that, like, that, like, repetitive, like, pressure to that side, you know, uneven pressure towards my left leg could have contributed to it. It could have also just been a freak accident. Uh, You know, I'm not an idiot about my supplement usage. Uh, I, you know, avoid compounds that dry you out and, you know, make you a lot more likely to tear a tendon. I don't take stuff like that. Uh, So, that was really frustrating. Uh, but you know, that's, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna happen. And, uh, yeah, we all know that we have to avoid those stupid comments. So, uh, yeah. but I'd say the, the next biggest thing that kind of got to me was I had a lot of, I had a lot of local, I had a big group of local lifters, a lot of you know, they were clients of mine and also really, really close friends, uh, I had a, a big group of them, they were all training for the same meet. And those are the famous slingshot record breakers from last year uh, and uh they were all training for it and they were all putting together perfect meat preps and it got really really difficult for me to just to sit there and watch them train yeah uh that was that was honestly the biggest thing uh it was really fulfilling to, to watch them to watch them do it and to watch them go through the meat prep I for them to all have the meats that they wanted to have. Uh, but it was really, really difficult to just have to sit there and watch and, like, not be able to, like, be a part of it and train with them. Uh, because, like, I, I opened a gym and I got to train. I got to train in my gym for, like, I, not even two months. And then I got hurt. It's like, okay, I have this gym. I spent all this money on this equipment. I can train in it. I can do upper body stuff. But, like, let's be real, I hate benching. So I'd rather be squatting and deadlifting. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, I'd say that was the that was probably the, the the next the next biggest thing for me.
0: Yeah, and I think I spoke on this before on the show where you know someone gets hurt and they have friends or you know teammates who also compete, and this happens in other sports too. Where, say, you're the starting quarterback and you get hurt, but then the backup quarterback leads your team to a Super Bowl and you're on the sideline the entire time watching it like that does take a mental impact on those athletes and it still does take an impact on powerlifters too it's like of course you're gonna be happy for them and psyched for them but if you had your say you would be out there with them and like just watching them have fun and you know hit their goals it's not that you're upset at them it's like you're upset at yourself and It's a pretty common feeling to have, but a lot of people don't want to admit it. And you kind of you have the the balls there to admit it, because a lot of dudes and and females will not admit that they're like, "But you know what? I got to see my friends compete. That was awesome." Part of that eats at you a little bit. It's like, because it's not so much again. You're not mad at them. You're mad at your current situation.
1: Yeah, you know, I've I've nobody but myself to blame for the situation. Uh, That's why I loved lifting in the first place is I had nobody else to blame, uh, you know, for my, for my failures, except for myself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I can remind myself of that sometimes cause it's really easy to point fingers and make excuses. But, uh, my final, like my final takeaway from it was, okay, uh, I realized how much I love coaching and how much I can improve as a coach. Uh, Because like I said earlier, I was able to give a lot more attention to my clients. I had a lot of free time to sit down, uh, have conversations with Trevor and other coaches and really get better at coaching. And that was a big positive takeaway for me. So I realized how much I love coaching and how much I want to continue to do it for as long as I'm able to. And there will be a day where I'm happy to be done lifting and to focus only on coaching. I know that that day is going to come, and I'm going to be perfectly happy when that day happens. But it is definitely not, yeah, it's definitely not in the near future. Like, I definitely still have goals, and I'm going to put everything I have into, you know, to reaching those goals. And when I'm done, I'll be done, and I'll move on to coaching, you know, completely. Uh, But I'm not there yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you you might have been the only guest I had that gave that definitive answer to that um, to the question of you know, what would you rather be, a coach or a competitor? And so far, everyone has been, like, in a pretzel with that question because it's a hard thing to choose. You know, you want to do both, but you're the only one to acknowledge, like, one day I'll stop lifting and I'm fully ready to coach. No one so far has really said that. Uh, well, yeah. I mean,
1: I, I tell people that coaching is my career, and that's ultimately what provides me, like, with my you know provides me with fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Lifting is lifting is my hobby. Yeah. You know, lifting doesn't pay the bills for me. You know, I've yet to. You know, I think the most prize money I've won at a meet is twenty uh, two hundred dollars. <laughs> so uh, I have I've yet to win any of the the big prize money at any meet. And uh, even
0: if you win those, I mean. Like, is that yeah. really gonna take care of your yearly salary? I don't think so. Exactly, no. So, so uh, yeah, coaching, coaching is my career. Lifting
1: is my hobby, and uh, it's it's a lot easier to to, to stay in a, a good mindset when I when I treat it that way. So uh, the you know probably the best the best meets I've had and the best training cycles I've had are when I'm really just enjoying it and just having fun, and I take you know. I find some way to take a lot of the pressure off myself. I get insanely serious about a meat prep and insanely uh, serious about a meat and, you know, very, very competitive. Not, not competitive is not the right word. Mm-hmm. Serious is really the only word I can think of. Just very in tune to it. Uh, it just puts so much unnecessary pressure on, you know, on myself. And I've, that was kind of another thing that I, that I realized during the whole process was, Hey, like I have my best meets and just having fun and not really thinking about numbers. I'm not really thinking about like going head to head with anybody. You know, I'm not hyping it up or anything like that. I'm literally just going and treating it like another day at the gym. Yeah. So.
0: Sure. Yeah. Hopefully see you on the platform soon, sooner rather than later. And, but since I have you, uh, yeah, I was going to say if the world,
1: the world, doesn't end uh i'll be i'll be back on the platform in october Uh, i'll be competing at warriors in uh in australia oh nice october
0: so nice yeah hopefully well if i'm gonna be selfish if the world does end i'm the number 283 kg lifter in the ipf right now so (laughs) i I mean i Uh, can i could kind of go to the i could go to the grave literally to the grave saying that like well you know russ sean and all those other beasts didn't compete so i'm like number two in the world right now
1: that's well, I mean, it's okay. At least you haven't been uh, dubbed by, by Garrett Fear as the most anticlimactic powerlifter there is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think him and, uh, him and JP probably is a joke that I've, I've set the record for uh, most times missing 900 and a meet. <laughs> so, I mean, at least hey. you don't have that going
0: for you. Yeah, Hey, Grant, yeah true but uh actually a really quick question um because i've seen this a lot because obviously your deadlift is talked about a lot and uh jamal too I've, I've gotten this question a lot just as a lifter because you two are obviously great lifters where they're like man how can't they hold grip and i'm like hey guys do you see the amount of weights on the bar like it's hard to hold that much weight it does has anyone ever is like has anyone ever asked a question like hey why why is your grip not good and then do you respond like is Uh, that is that a serious question man because it it happened to me too throughout my prep like have you been working on your grip Like, guys no one thought i had grip issues until i started deadlifting over 700 pounds consistently then when i'm deadlifting over 700 pounds consistently my hands are like holy shit this is a lot lot of of weights I don't yeah. think it needs to be worked on it's like you just kind of got to hold on to it but you ever yeah. want to punch someone yeah. in the head when they say that
1: yeah that's i mean my i'm kind of in the same boat I, you know I definitely i went through a phase there where i relied on straps for too for way too long but uh you know i, I worked on it and it's gotten better i think my grip could definitely be better um you know working on you know getting better at hook grip again because i went through i had a stint there where i was able to pull hook grip really well uh and for some reason it just stopped working. I don't know what I was doing wrong, but uh so yeah, like it's it's the same thing. Like I can I can pull, you know, I can pull low eight hundreds and I can hold on to it for, you know, as long as you know anybody would want me to. Uh but when I get to that like 880, 900 plus mark, uh it starts to get pretty heavy. I, <laughs> and I, like I
0: just I get frustrated those questions for you guys someone legit yeah, like, messaged me after jamal missed like 900 in a meet or something like man how can't this guy hold on to grip i'm like hey listen to what you just said or just say what you just said to me but slower how can this guy n- not hold on to 900 <laughs> pounds you're asking like yeah. man, that's not too many people can hold on to it it's a really hard thing to yeah. do i'm not even talking it's... about techniques straps and that kind of stuff i'm saying if you're maxing out it's hard to hold on to i just think it's a yeah it's a dumb question that i've been asked about you guys and i just thought that if i were you guys i'd probably be like hey never talk to me again just stop talking to me yeah. stop asking <laughs> me questions because uh, i think that's a dumb one
1: i've had that question asked way too many times but yeah it's it's a lot of weight and it's <laughs> honestly it's not fun to try to hold on to, to 900 pounds like i you know i do not i do not look forward to attempting that lift. uh i look forward to getting to celebrate afterwards yeah uh She's, she's fine yeah she's fine Sorry, testing it's, it's my dog out uh, but yeah it's it's i don't know i just try to avoid those questions uh because I've definitely you know, i've been sloppy about things in the past and I'm willing to admit that and there's things i could have been better about but like you know i've i've pulled 860 in competition it's not like I'm you know it's not like i can only pull 700 you know without straps and i'm you know, able to pull 950 with straps like you know i've, I've pulled my best pole in the gym is 915 and my best pull uh but without straps i've i've pulled 880 uh i pulled 880 in the cage and then i pulled 904 uh in training uh in 2018 uh it was kind of a it was kind of a soft walkout but you know i've, I've pulled you know Close to what I've pulled with straps without straps, so it's not like there's a huge like 150 pound or 100 pound uh, difference there, like there was a, at one point, but it got it's gotten a lot closer. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I've still I've still missed 900 too many times in a meet. <laughs> That's your turn.
0: Yeah. So, t- tends to happen, but since since I got you on here. One thing that I've always appreciated that you do is you're opinionated, and you really don't hold what you have thinking back. So, perfect question to ask you: What is the biggest issue you see in powerlifting right now? And, or was one oh. thing you could change as well? Like a double question, kind of there.
1: Uh, oh, oh boy! Kind of hard to kind of hard to pick there. I know. Uh, I'd say the two that I probably uh, that I probably would talk about, that, like just off the top of my head, instinctual response. The two that I talk about the most would be the number of federations, and then uh, we talked about this earlier. Uh, kind of, you're, like this is going to be iffy to talk about, but like irresponsible drug usage,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that's. I think that uh, so like with the uh, the Federation side of things I think that they're it, you know, I don't think it's ever going to happen but it would be great if there's just one untested Federation and then one tested Federation you know, yeah. I'm not going to get into the whole untested tested argument like if you if you do you do if you don't want to that's great but uh, I think if we like if we want lifting to be considered more like or powerlifting like if we want things to be more legit and we want it to be less of a, a meme sport as people, some, say, as some people say, uh, yeah, it'd be, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would be great in a perfect world where there was one untested federation. And then there was one tested federation, uh, all the same equipment, uh, you know, everything like that, like that net that I had to pull on a stiff bar in competition and do two hour lands. I would do it. You know, uh, I don't cut weight anymore anyway, so two-hour away, it wouldn't bother me. Uh, I'll, I'll, Like I said, I'll pull on a stiff bar if I have to. Let's just have two federations. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be great. Uh, it would settle a lot of arguments, uh, and the only argument that would be left is the tested versus non-tested argument, which I can deal with that argument. That, you know, having that conversation doesn't bother me.
0: Yeah, and uh, the only arguments that are really get started in is, I feel like, people who aren't really competitive in the first place. I feel right. like when you're super competitive, that stance kind of goes away. Where like you understand the difference pretty easily between tested and untested federations.
1: Yeah, and uh, I've you know, I talk with a few you know high level uh, you know USAPL IPF competitors uh, like you for example. I've talked I talked with Sean Noriega quite a bit. We've had that conversation uh, where he's like, yeah, like I don't I don't care if you do it, uh, but personally i never want to do it it just doesn't seem worth it to me uh because like he's kind of in the same in the same boat as i am with how we approach uh powerlifting i feel like uh you know he's very competitive obviously but it's not really it doesn't mean that much to him that he's gonna you know put something in his body that's gonna you know jeopardize his health Mm -hmm. which i i completely respect that you know that's the whole point behind you know taking it or not, take, not taking it is if you're okay with it, then do it. If you're not, then don't. Yeah. So, uh, which I guess kind of ties into the next thing that I see a lot. That's, that's really frustrating for me. I talk about this quite a bit. Uh, I actually was talking about this earlier this week with a client of mine and a friend of mine, uh, Nicholas Anderson, who runs the nerds who list podcast. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I see a lot of irresponsible supplementation and like, you know, I'll be the first to say I've been stupid in the past about what I take, but I see a lot of people who have no business taking the things they take. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's one thing if you are training for a world record or top five, top 10 all time, you know, big money meet, whatever that might be. Like if you're in that position, and you want to take whatever, like, you want to take everything under the sun to get there, and, like, you're realistically there, then by all means, do it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I see people who, you know, jeopardize their relationships, they jeopardize their mental health, uh, they put their actual health at risk just to deadlift 600 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that just, that has never uh. That's just never made sense to me. And uh you know, like I you know, my my excuse for me in the past, you know, with my stupid uh with my irresponsible usage is like, okay, I'm you know, I'm training to be, you know, that top five, top ten in the world. Uh, so that's why I'm doing it. But uh I've never really understood the mindset behind like you know, like your body, your choice, whatever, like if that's what you wanna do, like that's fine at the end of the day, but I don't understand the the mindset behind doing that. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah. Uh, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna be breaking a world record, you know, a big total, you know, top five in the world, whatever, then there's really no point.
0: Yeah. I I completely agree with you, and I've seen that myself. Um, I because I don't think I could give a, you know, like a good opinion on irresponsible drug use because really our uh, supplement supplementation use because i don't know what, what is responsible right. what's irresponsible but i do see lifters taking and i was i always am at the thought like hey let's learn how to lift first yeah Bef- uh, before we start using yeah. that kind of stuff like learn how to compete learn how to properly do those things and let's actually build a total because right yeah. now, your total is shit, and it's not because you're not taking any supplements. It's because right. you're a shit lifter. And yes, we all exactly. started as a shit lifter. Exactly. Like, we all started yeah. as a shit lifter. I'm not trying to insult you. We all started poorly. But oh, yes, we, exactly. we build from there, and we put on a total, and then we continually progress. And then when you're at that point, like you mentioned, there's a ton of untested federations out there. I guess you can take it for me. I always I, – I'm just always saying, you know, hold off on it. It's your body, your choice. I'm obviously going to be biased towards my natty elitist federations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm always yeah. going to be biased towards that part. But if yeah. you want to decide to go, go. Hopefully, it's safe for you to use. Hopefully, you're going to be using responsibly. I can't really give you advice on all that stuff. But it's just seeing lifters who are novice, just novice lifters starting yeah. to take because they think that's going to be the magic – Key to a big total, like no, I'm still gonna total you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have uh, a you don't have a garbage total, and then end up out totaling some of the guys in USAPL and IPF. You are not gonna do that. Learn how to lift, and yeah. let's see, and then let's build to yeah. you know bigger uh, totals.
1: Yeah, no, I, that's an issue i ran into. Uh, you know, I've coached a decent number of people at this point, and that's a question that has come up. You know, more and more often, uh, you know, with especially with, you know, I work with a lot of young people too. Uh, you know, having 18, 19 year olds approach me about supplementation or, you know, whatever it might be. And it's like, uh, you know, I stop that conversation as soon as it comes up. And, you know, I'm like said, like, I'm, I'm pretty opinionated. I'm not afraid to, to be blunt with people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, I'll, you know, in some cases I've been like, hey, like, hey, dude, like, I have females that are squatting and deadlifting more than you. Like, you know, you just need to get, like, you need to, you need to eat more. You just need to get stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you need to build muscle mass. Like, there are a lot of things that you could do. There are a lot of avenues that you could explore before hitting this one, like, five years from now. Let's have this conversation again. Oh, yeah. If you, even if, like, if you can even be consistent for five years, like, that's mean to say. It's like,
0: It's 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 not really mean to say though. It's like because
1: it's a weird way to word it, but like you have to earn the right to get to that step.
0: Of course, and then even um, this even applies for natty lifters, like just natural guys who they're talking about things that are just way too advanced for them, and they haven't even got on the platform yet. Like, hey man, do you think I could just like, you think I could step onto, you know, do you think I could, uh, you know, get prime time with this? Like, yo yo yo, yo, we're we're way ahead of that. Be consistent first. Prove to me that you know how to, and it goes along with equipment too. It's like, prove to me that you know how to lift, prove to the world that you know how to lift, prove to yourself that you know how to lift, and then let's yeah. start thinking about those little micro things that's going to help. You can, I mean, yeah, you could apply that to literally every aspect of lifting, you could apply that to the
1: programming as well. I have, uh, you know, I've had clients, uh, you know, very recently, even, even then, I'm pretty selective about, you know, the. the that process now but uh you know i'll get people who've only been training for two years that say tell me like hey i have to hit an rpe8 single every week for bench in order for my bench to go up Mm -hmm. and like they tell me this like this is like a 20 year old you know who benches you know he you know he might he weighs you know 240 pounds and he benches 315 uh and, you know, he tell, like, you know, he tells me, like, I need, to, I need to hit a top single every week in order for my bench to go up. And it's like, well, first of all, how did you come to that conclusion? Uh, just because it's something, probably something you did in the past and you enjoyed it. So you think that that is, you know, mm-hmm. it's obviously beneficial to your training because you enjoyed doing it. But, like I said, there are a lot of other avenues that we could explore to getting stronger before having to like approach that style of training, uh, because I know that's like a very popular thing, uh, especially more with like USAPL lifters. I feel like that 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 high that high specific style of training I feel like is more is more popular. But uh, like I said, that you can apply that to to every aspect of lifting, uh, and it's the funniest thing to me when somebody you know asks me to coach them, but then tells me like, tells me what I need to put in their programming uh, without without running what I am thinking about putting together for them mm-hmm. at all. So, I, you know, I'll say, like, how about you just run this for eight weeks, run this for, you know, eight to 12 weeks, just trust me, and if things aren't panning out after that, we can talk and you can tell me, like, what, you, like, what I need to be putting in your programming.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, so it's just, it's funny how, like, that, like, that, You know, can be applied to to everything from equipment to the you know the supplementation to the programming, uh, all of it really. So uh, people people want results now. They don't want to actually have to you know wait and be consistent for a long period of time.
0: Which which is a shame because it might sound cliche and cheesy. That is kind. I miss those days really. I do miss the days where. It's like 22 years old. I wasn't even competing in powerlifting. Just I just really like lifting weights, and I try to figure out ways for myself to get stronger. And then even when I started competing, the same thing, just the process of getting results and the long process, the marathon of getting those right. results. And really, to me, it's like that was that was really fun for me. That's the reason why I did it. It was the fun part. But people are so intertwined with their phones. They follow King of the Lifts. They follow all these different pages and they see these great lifters, they see the clout that they get, they see the sponsorships that they get and then they're gonna find out that a lot of the sponsorships don't mean shit. But they see all that stuff and they want those results right away. It's like, No dude, the the, the golden years of the sport is when you're just figuring yeah. it out. It's fun. It's like that's the fun part.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the the process, the process of it all is, is the fun part. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and also if I, with
1: if I could, yeah. Continue. Uh, if I could, if I could make an honor, like an honorable mention for uh, things I dislike the most, it would probably be uh, Instagram, like the Instagram clout and you know lifting for Instagram, which you know, like I, admittedly, like I've done that in the past. Like I think we all have at some point.
0: Well, if you have a, if uh, you have a public Instagram page, you definitely have.
1: Like yeah, so. Uh, But now, like on the coaching side of things, uh, like the effect it has on my ability, like if the effect it's had on my ability to coach people in the past is is definitely made me dislike it more because I have lifters that, like, you know, they want to, they're like, oh, do I get a hit like a three rep max this week? Do I get a hit this this week? Whatever. Like they want to do the fun stuff that they see all these other people doing. And it's like, hey, that's what the meat is for. Mm -hmm. The meat is for finding out how strong you are that's why we do competitions to see how strong you are yeah the point of training is to prepare you for that i don't need to know how strong you are in the gym like that's what the need is for like you have a meet 20 weeks from now there's no reason to be doing like there's no reason to do that stuff so uh, on the coaching side of things that the whole effect that instagram has had on how people train has definitely been uh, a frustration for me
0: Oh yeah, and I and I think that hits that point home where I think a lot of people are being dictated on what they see, they want to emulate certain lifters, they want to be certain lifters and they want to be on the stage that they're on and they're just not there yet but they're going to try to push themselves into that position for yeah. Nothing more than a big ego stroke because once you're there, once you're once you are actually there and hitting those big numbers, it you like for me, for example, broke a national record deadlift or American record deadlift. Felt great, yeah, awesome. Um, I talked on the show how honored I was, but towards that Monday, the high wore off completely. Yeah, I'm thinking about you know, like, all right, well, we got another. Like, we got to think of another meet we're gonna do. We got to get back to work immediately. It's like you're gonna you're gonna work yourself up into a frenzy for that just one. I mean, seriously, like not even 24 hours of jubilation. Yeah, like you for you yourself forget about it and guess what even if you are an instagram lifter up instagram you know uh you know if you are a clout page or something people are gonna forget about your lifts
2: yeah they and will forget even if they, your, yeah. even
0: if they have your even if they are they're on instagram they're on youtube they're gonna forget yeah uh i mean i think with
1: with people who are highly competitive you know they have that mindset that like there's always there's there's room to add more weight to the bar there always is so Mm -hmm. like even if you know if you do you know break the national record whatever it is it's like okay you know you're immediately thinking all right what can i do next because like i'm obviously you know i'm not going to end there you know so Mm -hmm. like what what can i do next what's the next thing for me and i think that's what separates the the competitors from the instagram lifters
0: yep so yeah, but you also made a good point where you're saying uh, where we could apply this to so many different things of powerlifting, of you know going through the process of things and learning the difference between you know what we just mentioned, the programming and, say, equipment to supplementation is the supplementation could have massive impact on people's lives. It's like a big macro change, and those other ones are micro yes. changes. So, like when you're saying you really got to think long and hard about that you're absolutely right that's why it should be taken delicately where you know you can have a pretty simple conversation about a lifter wanting to know what knee sleeves they should have when they squat high in the first place
1: yeah but let's worry about that first
0: yeah like that's where but but the supplementation thing is like okay you're talking about a massive life change that a lot of 18 and 19 year olds do things that they don't think about what's going to happen when they are 27.
1: Like your, your brain is literally still developing at that age. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it's, I mean, it's a lot to ask somebody to be able to make a mature decision at that point. But, uh, you know, it's, they see, you know, they see these, you know, big strong lifters on Instagram and, you know, that's, that's what they want. So it's whatever they can do to get there. Uh, but yeah, like, like I said earlier, like I've literally, I've seen people, I've seen relationships ruined. I've seen uh, some really bad things come from you know. You, it's not fair to say that it was directly caused by you know the supplementation, but it definitely didn't help. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's safe to say that. So and like you know my my opinion, like my mindset. Uh, It's like, why would I do anything? You know, I have these other things that are clearly very, very, like, way more important than lifting or hitting a PR. So why would I do anything to jeopardize that? You know, especially, you know, I'm not married or anything like that. But if I was, like, why would I do anything to jeopardize that? Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, I understand, you know, not everybody thinks that way. Again, no judgment if you don't. Uh, But, yeah, that's just where my head's at with it.
0: Yeah, and I, and I got bec- – yeah, I'm, like, four years into the sport, but when I got more serious it, I encountered more lifters, and I did notice, I'm like, oh, there is an actual change in behavior that I see, deeper that I yeah. get into the sport. Not saying it's all bad. Actually, I'm going to say, like, 95% of it is pretty positive. Uh, yeah. Or at least I, – because I, I chose to surround myself around pretty good people in the sport. I'm, I'm pretty happy with who I decided to – surround myself with but i have seen that and i didn't th- i just never realized that that would happen when i first started in the sport you know because it was just i was naive to so many things and then as right. i got it, i'm like oh it actually does have a bit of an effect on how people behave and i didn't and i really it caught me off guard the first time i like kind of saw it I'm like it was the light bulb moment or just showing how naive i truly am to everything yeah. like Oh, oh, that's why. When somebody explained it to me, they're like, oh, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we, I, I like to tell people, like, if I, if I can give them, like, a, a very simple explanation of, like, the effect it can have on you, is it just amplifies the person that you already yeah. are. Uh, yeah, you know, probably, you've probably heard that before. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, that's, that's a really, really simple way to, to describe it to people.
0: For sure, and really, the only, the only true opinion I have on that whole, you know, situation, and just, I, it's we're in a unique position for this sport because, when you get into powerlifting, the standard was set long time ago that you need to exactly. take this and this to be successful. Where in every other sport, literally, every sport aside from powerlifting, it was. You should never take that to get where you are, and it's like such a weird like 180 turn where in this sport it's like okay, this is what you got to do, like this is and and if you're
1: expected,
0: yeah, it's an expect it's expected thing. All those records that you see were non-tested records, but and then the the push of drug-tested lifting is relatively new and. For me, I'm a little upset that that was the standard. I really wish that it could have been drug-free for the longest time and then be the yeah. be the crazy sport that allows a non-tested league. Like, wouldn't baseball be crazy if there were just a non-tested baseball league? Wouldn't be yeah. all these sports be insane? It'd be, there was... it'd be, it'd be, it'd be very entertaining. The only sport where I, where I would say that I don't
1: really want to see uh untested athletes is probably mixed martial arts it's already yeah it's already
0: (laughs) well if you go go to japan sir if you yeah i
1: guess yeah you know there's uh yeah the the fight circuits in japan i have
0: i uh, have i have a stockpile of dvds from pride fc and there was no way that they were getting contested
1: yeah uh yeah i've seen them uh i've got a couple fighters that like they were in the UFC. I think, are, uh my, my business partner is really, really big into it. He talks about it a lot. Uh, but they're apparently, like, uh, fight, signing contracts to go over there and fight, and they're all just fucking juicing again. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, was, whatever, you know, my power to you, at least, in, in Pri- you know.
0: In Pride FC, it was actually under certain fighters' contracts that they had to take it.
1: <laughs> that's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, cause, well, they were, because, like, Japan is so into the, uh, Japan is so into the showmanship of it. And, like, yeah. it almost has, like, a professional wrestling kind of feel where right. they love – they really love the freak shows. They seriously yeah. did. And, like, if we can just get, like, a bodybuilder, like, a bodybuilding-looking guy who could throw dudes around and we'll give them just these jabronis to beat up, we're yeah. going to make money out of it. And, uh, yeah. But that – it like, powerlifting almost could have been something like that where it, it's a it's strange – it's a strange conversation that I don't think enough powerlifters acknowledge how strange it is. Yeah, Cause we're so it's it's like, dude, growing up with baseball, I grew up in the steroid era, and then right yeah. when the shit hit the fan, you know, steroids was such a thing it was such a taboo thing, and exactly. we're having these like conversation in powerlifting where it's expected. people expected. well, the the, pe- the, the 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 natty feds, USAPL and IPF that had to get yeah. that had to like be pushed into popularity yeah so it's it's like such a weird yeah it's very a, yeah, it's
1: a complete complete 180 it's uh it's very i don't it kind of shows you like how privileged powerlifters are mm-hmm. as uh as athletes i hate to i hate to call powerlifters athletes and that's a whole another. uh it's a whole other conversation uh but yeah it's uh it just it puts things into perspective for you like you know how like, how lucky non-tested lifters are to be able to basically explore any avenue they want for recovery and getting stronger and being better at you know at their sport you know because basically every other sport in the world you don't get to do that so yeah uh, yeah.
0: I, I agree, and I, was, I always get in those conversations, and I think where the Natty Elitist comes out of me is when we're talking about records, and I think uh, I had yeah. a conversation with a person who listens to the show, because I said I think the purest form of a record is one that's set in USAPL or IPF, and obviously not a USA IPF lifter. Wasn't offended, what I say, just wanted to kind of dive deeper on it, and I was simply like, I think it's the purest form of a record, because... We use no manipulatives. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's some manipulatives, but they try to limit that as much as possible. Same day weigh-ins. Yep. Same equipment. You don't have specialty bars. You don't have specialty equipment. And it's a drug-tested federation. So I think records over there is, like, the purest form of a record. Um, yeah. I, I can't disagree with that. Like,
1: you know, I'll, you know, I'll be the first to say that. Uh, would it be... I mean, you can just, you know, say, you know, how difficult would it be for you to set a record in this scenario versus this scenario, mm-hmm. scenario you know, two-hour weigh-in, you know, no no supplementation, stiff bar, you know, all this other stuff, very, very strict standards versus 24-hour uh, weigh-in, you can take whatever you want, uh, you know, deadlift bar, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like, the, the answer is pretty clear if you're just looking at things on paper, like, uh, a lot harder to hit would be a lot harder for me to hit and a lot more unlikely for me to hit a 900 pound deadlift on a USAPL or an ipf
0: meet. yeah and i just always with uh i mean it's not even the most it's like i'm not saying let's make things more difficult i'm just saying like this is probably because when i see records like can you believe this 181 pound lifter is deadlifting 800 pounds like well they were 181 pounds for like 30 seconds Yes, and then they the, then they grew it's to be 200. Same, it's, like, it's not the same thing as doing the
1: lift, weighing 181 pounds. Uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's I mean that's a big reason why I you know I want to step away you know from from weight cut like weight cutting like we're planning on hosting a meet here and we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do weight divisions not weight classes we're gonna group two or three we're gonna group three weight classes into one weight division and try to get people away from cutting weight and it's going to be biggest total wins. We're going to, you know, we're going to take the looks out of it and everything like that. Uh, so that's a whole, that's a whole another conversation. Uh, but uh, just kind of, you know, stepping away from the whole mindset of like dropping 20 pounds to weigh a certain weight. And, you know, saying like, Oh, I, I squatted this much weight at this much body weight. It's like, well, no, you actually, you actually didn't, you you recapped twenty five pounds in in twenty four hours, so yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, non tested lifting
0: for you. <laughs> well, that's uh, I mean, but and you said something with your first thing you would change is the different federations. Where I I think that y- the thing that's been used as a negative against the USAPL and IPF is they have a monopoly over uh, tested federations, like think that's a good thing because then you have aapf awpc uspa drug free division they're not at the same standards as usapl and ipf they use different bars They use different equipment so having that one federation would actually work for them and i think that's one thing that usapl does pretty well you're a yeah. tested federation and you have the same standards and people who are passionate about Tested lifting, go into that federation, and boom, it's it's easy. It's easy to keep track of those lifters. It's easy to keep track with your performance. It's not like you're exactly. using USPA, like not a lot. They're they're trying to have a good drug-free division in USPA, but it's like then you're gonna muddy the waters more because you're talking about 24-hour weigh-ins. You're talking like I would just prefer to be one standard rule for everything.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's uh like you just. Like you said, with all the different different federations and everything with non-tested lifting, that's one thing. That, that's well, that's not one thing. That is the biggest thing that is, uh, or one of the biggest things that's making non-tested lifting uh, less legitimate is all these different standards. And you have these mean federations that are allowing insanely high squats to pass. And yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, you know some arguments I've gotten into recently and further back in the past is. Uh, you know, big lifters competing at uh, local meets and allowing uh, lifts that aren't done to standard to pass. Uh, and like, yeah, I can't say that I've never had like a high squat pass in a meet because I've because ha- I have. But uh, still, like that's that's the problem. Yeah. There's all these there's all these different standards. Uh, have I seen some? Have I seen squats in the USAPL and the IPF uh, get red lighted that I think that. But clearly, like, beyond depth, like, yeah, absolutely. But uh, human error is always going to be there. Like, we can't take away from that. Uh, But it would be nice if there was one set standard for non-tested lifting.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And on on top of that, just having having people be responsible for their actions and have to be accountable for their actions, too, that's one thing. I – which is unfortunate because we're we're getting a little short on time here. But, uh, I mean, there was, like, three weeks where it was, like, constantly talking about, you know, lifters giving up their records because the judging was lenient. And I'm like, hey, I think lifters shouldn't be – if lifters are giving up their own records every week, there's a problem here that we got to acknowledge. And I think it's don't do these local meets. If you're this big lifter doing these world record totals, let's go to a big – meet where you're going to have world-class judges there yeah because now you have to as a, uh, I, this is going to get into a whole rant that's going to be an episode yeah. so i gotta like if, buy my like, tongue. If you're, on it.
1: If, if you're the one hosting the meet you probably shouldn't be doing it either yeah <laughs> uh, yeah that's like we could do a whole we could do a whole another whole other podcast on that on yeah
0: <laughs> and that one might be coming pretty soon because i was because i got into a lot of debates about this like I don't think I don't think lifters should forfeit their totals. I don't think it's their responsibility. I think the responsibility should rely into the judges and the Federation yeah. taking like in account like, hey, this is our goof. We're gonna wipe the lifters records off the 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 record sheet yeah. and off the meat. I- but it's like the lifters are taking the blame when in reality it's the judging going on that should be getting the blame. Yeah. It's like this weird it's, a, it's oh. another one of these 180s that we see in powerlifting and not in other sports, where the yeah. athletes are uh, taking the accountability for everything. Right.
1: Uh, so outside of like a failed drug test, how often do you hear about a lifter having to forfeit a record in the USAPL or the IPF?
0: Uh, never. Exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. There you go. Which? Uh, so... There's your answer, right
0: yeah. there. Yeah, That's that's a that's a very good point. And uh, yeah, man, I w- wish I would have used that argument like four weeks ago or five weeks ago. Just, but yeah. then, but then I'll get dragged on the internet for being a you know USAPL leaders or something, and some guy with face oh. tattoos and gauges is gonna yell at me through uh, <laughs> through through yeah. uh, Instagram Live or something.
1: Yeah, I mean it's better. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's frustrating when a lift that is clearly done to standards should have you know should have passed. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm. You know, I'm that coach at a meet that is that's yelling at a ref who you know, gave a red light for uh I have no re- I have no issue, uh, you know, if you're a ref who has dealt with me at a meet, I have no issue with being explained, with being told why I was given a red light if it was for a reason that is in the rule book. But uh when I'm given a reason for a red light that is not in the rule book. So I'm very, very familiar with like the USPA rule book and all that stuff. And when I'm given a ref's interpretation of the rules, not what the rules say, okay. that is a problem.
0: Oh yeah, and I think we're starting to get into like kind of baseball territory with oh, yeah. refing and like coaches too. It's like this is the rule. It's not like an exception to the rule. But now we kind of got to play towards the rules because umpires would say like or say uh, or managers say like well he's calling he's not calling the inside strike today like, but it's in right. the rule book that you have to call the inside strike was like but the he's not calling it it's like he doesn't think that's a strike so yeah. it's like you gotta play around that but as my previous comment, you know you I still think there's issues with the USAPL judging I think as a coach, you might have gotten to arguments at the Arnold because the front judge was giving red lights on squat depth and Uh, there was two white lights. So there was, there was two white lights on the side and then a red light in the middle for depth. And whenever that happens, if I was a coach, I'd be like, what the hell is a middle judge looking at? Because the only time you should be red lighting anything, if it's egregiously high. Right. And if two side judges found it to be a white light lift, it's definitely not egregiously high, so... Right, exactly. And it wasn't, because I was like, are they sure they're not missing commands? Are they sure they're not doing something else? Like, no, it's, they're judging steps from the front today for us for uh, that meet at the Arnold. So that, to me, if I was a coach, I would get right into the uh, front judge's face and be like, yo, yeah. you're not doing this uh, right now. Don't get me wrong, I love the, the Arnold setup with, like, the lighting and everything like that,
1: but with that, like type of setup with the lighting and everything that can't make it like entirely easy you know with like you know the like the shadows and stuff like that the angle of the lights Mm -hmm. that i mean i mean i haven't been that close up to the stage but that can't make it entirely easy for refs to see everything they need to see i feel like uh but maybe that's just that's just a random thought but uh yeah front judge should not be giving red lights for depth
0: yeah, and then, uh, and then again, it goes to the kind of human error element because, like, no one's going to have to scratch their records off the record book of USAPL or IPF outside of a failed drug test, but, you know, that, if I had a lifter going and I saw a front judge constantly red-lighting lifters on depth, I, I would... that would be a problem. Yeah, It would be a problem, and, and you're... Man, a lot of people rely on 9-for-9 nine nine meets to either qualify for nationals or, yeah. I mean... Jasmine Penn got hosed at Raw Nats that cost her a spot at the national championship and a spot at the world's team, like hosed completely. And yeah. it's strict, but she got screwed. It was not a good yeah. call. Everyone, everyone in attendance, coaches, athletes, competitors—like that was a good lift. And yeah, two red lights and didn't give an explanation on why. So, yeah, I I don't. I don't think that if if a ref isn't
1: able to give like a you know a proper explanation as to why the lift was red lighted, then I don't think they I don't think they should be able to give a red light. I think there there needs to be some kind of like I don't know how difficult this would be. Like, there's obviously a lot more work and thought that would have to go into it outside of like this statement that I'm making. But like some sort of appeal process where if like you get a red light on a lift and if that. You know, if that ref isn't able to, you know, provide a proper explanation of like the rules and like how the lift went and all that to like a higher up judge or anything like that, then I think that the lift should be counted. But like I said, there's a lot more would have to go into that than what I just said. You know, there'd have to be, uh, I know people have talked about having like an instant replay added into powerlifting and all that stuff, and, uh, you know, having cameras at the side for depth and all that stuff. So it would just, Uh, I really don't know how that would work, but
0: yeah, USAPL kind of has that challenge process. And, uh, actually I didn't know it existed until nationals. And ironically it was Garrett fear to tell me, but with the, uh, challenge process. So, um, yeah, he was telling me about USAPL rules. I'm like, Oh, that that's actually kind of (laughs) strange that uh, you would know that before me, but yeah, like they have something there where I think it's good. You know, you have two other people kind of having a like a sky judge almost. Like, right. having a second opinion on things, I'm like, all right, that could get rid of some bad calls. And for the most part, because USAPL and IPF meets do get their fair share of criticism because of harsh judging, but I, th- I always try to articulate to everyone, like, it's a five-platform meet. Especially Raw Nationals, right. it's a five-platform meet with a different set of judges, obviously, on each platform. So yeah, exactly. people, naturally ass- people were assuming that you know the judges that i had were the judges for prime time it's like i saw this one yeah. female lifter get this lift but why didn't you get that lift it's like because they're on a different platform than me they were going the same yeah. time as me. It's like we're not the, we're not on this we're not getting under the same judging and i think yeah. I, I still think they do a really good job of having a five platform meet with consistent yeah. judging like that could be a catastrophe for a lot of other yeah. meets
1: I, yeah i cannot imagine I've, I've heard some horror stories from coaches about how they're to handle a lot of lifters, at, at, you know, at that, at that meet, and being in that situation, it just does not sound fun.
2: Yeah,
1: I've, I've, I've handled ten lifters in one day on one platform, and that was a nightmare. I can, I can imagine uh, what some of these other coaches are, are going through in that kind of situation. So,
0: uh, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we're running short on time, but feels like we could do a whole other episode on some other topic, man.
1: Yeah, uh definitely. <laughs> so uh, uh we'll have to have to plan for something in the future.
0: Hell yeah, dude. And uh thank you for coming on. Hopefully having on uh like on again sometime and hopefully you're in Chicago soon or by luck of the draw I'm in Washington, but I can't can't see a reason the, why I'm the, gonna be in Washington. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, in the near future probably not. But no. uh yeah, I'll I'll probably be in Chicago at some point this year. Uh for sure, in October, uh, I wouldn't be upset about coming out there for a weekend before that, and uh, you know, getting some training in. With you know, obviously, I have a a, a base of, of clients there. I think I have I have six or seven people just in Chicago uh, right now. Actually, eight. I have eight people just in the Chicago area, and I obviously I you know, have a few few friends in Chicago as well that I you know I could enjoy. Training with and hanging out with for a weekend, so I'll have to, you know, put that on a schedule at some point
0: for sure, man. And while you're here, we could definitely do an in person interview about one of these other topics I got in the Arsenal because, yeah, we can absolutely. definitely do one. But, yeah, I'm, I'm game, yep. All right, talk to you guys next week. Thank you again, Chris Brickford, for coming on. Lights.
1: I like it, bro. Yeah, baby, I like it, bro. Yeah. Oh, baby, I like it, bro. Baby, I like it, bro. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all. Shimmy, you Shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take a away. Off on the natural charge. you voyage. Yeah, from the home of the Dodge Brooklyn Squad. Who
2: take the...